if you are a faithful person, I think those groups are the first groups that should step up because, you know, our, our planet is a gift and it's supposed to provide for everyone. And if we're not carefully um, appreciating and valuing the resources that some people, you know, can't take for granted, then we're not following our faith. Welcome to Grace and 30 on WERALP, Arlington 96.7 FM. This is Ed Malik, and I'll be your host for the program tonight. A few weeks ago, my guest, Miriam Gennari, and I were standing outside of the WERA building chatting, and a lone styrofoam cup was swirling around in a gentle breeze on the ground next to us. It was really a symbolic moment. You see, Miriam has been on a crusade to address the staggering problem of styrofoam waste. She's the executive producer of the 2018 documentary Styrofoam Mom, the host of the Sustainable Scoop on AIM's Arlington Weekly News, and a determined environmental activist. Miriam joins us to talk about how she became Styrofoam Mom, the problems our excess use of styrofoam present, and what regular folks like us can do about the issue. Miriam, welcome to Grace in 30. Thanks so much for having me. I'm honored to be here. We've, we finally connected. Uh, well, we've connected a few times through your show. Um, uh, I don't know if you recall, probably a year ago, you introduced me to an eco-warrior, yep. Jessica Graham, and I learned a little bit about her background. And so in screening the film a few times, it's usually followed by a panel discussion about the circular economy, and she really elevated the conversation. So I'm very grateful cool. uh, so for I'm that glad introduction. We're doing a little cross-pollination between shows. Indeed, indeed. So the arc of your story is really similar to many of the guests we have on the program. You saw something that really moved you. Uh, you became more and more engrossed with the issue. And then it became kind of like a higher purpose for you. And so tell us, how did you become Styrofoam Mom? Well, you know, I have to be honest and, and maybe a little embarrassed to say that I was a vicious consumer chasing every little opportunity to um, build my wealth and um, and to uh, and your wardrobe and wardrobe and to accumulate things. I was raising two little girls and I thought the best way to um, make up for the fact that I was divorced was to try to give them everything. I mean at one point I was inventorying Barbie shoes and like oh my goodness you don't have have read. <laughs> so I mean, really, really kooky. Um, it wasn't until they, they got into school and that that um, consumerism is multiplied by what everybody else um, has and what they wanted to. And I started to realize that the important things, the, the things that um, made me really happy and things that I thought would make them happy were not the things that we were pursuing. Yep. And so um, I started to take a hard look at myself and the way that I was parenting, and I wanted to set a better example for them. So that was about 10 years ago? Or? Oh, goodness. My, my oldest turns 28 in oh, September. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So, so that crusade of, of trying to um, dial it back and, uh, and be a little bit more careful about consumption started, but um, there was a lot of rebellion yeah. on, on their side. And so I thought, you know, a good entry point is the schools. Um, I started to become more involved in the schools. I thought, you know, maybe if more children appreciated the outdoors and nature and um, had a better understanding of resource management, then, you know, it would rub off 
myself on my girls, and everybody would um, would have a new perspective. Such a simple idea, right? Yep. Colossal. <laughs> but but you also you wound up watching the Inconvenient Truth documentary, yeah. and that kind of really was a, an inflection point for you, right? It was. It was. It. You know, I have to say that, um, and I, and I I'll reference your show because I think it's really important. A couple months ago, somebody sent me a link to a show that you had done, and I thought that was really fascinating. It was about a Dream Center. Yeah, in in yeah. DC, and they're like, Miriam, you've got to watch this, and and that's the kind of thing that happens when you put content out there, and some people can watch something and walk away. But when I saw the inconvenient truth, and I really, um, you know, I, I trusted Al Gore as an individual and as a leader, so it wasn't like somebody was just you know standing on the street corner telling me the sky's falling. But you know, he he backed it up with all kinds of research and interviews, and and I thought, you know, if we we don't do something and we have this information, then we're convicted. And I, I really wanted to make a difference. So I started to look at the very detailed um, things that we were doing, uh, particularly, again, back at the schools, you know, parents driving their kids to school, the schools leaving the lights on, um, and of course, the styrofoam oh, the that waste. they were using. Enormous that, amounts of waste. Oh, the bags and bags of trash every single day. So let's get into that. Give us the, a sense of the scale of the problem, what we're facing here. Well, you know, let's just do the multiplier effect, 97% air. Okay, so this particular plastic is the elephant of all plastic. And though it's the smallest amount of resource, which makes it in many ways a really good choice for transporting things um, as an insulator. I mean, if I was floating in the ocean, I would definitely not want a compostable buoy, you know, <laughs> to hold on to. So so there, there are a lot of benefits, but also this particular plastic, because it's unlike the others, it doesn't have uh, a lot of weight, um, it's very rarely recycled and loose in the environment. It's an acknowledged biohazard. Yep. So um, if it's in the waterways, it bioaccumulates toxins. Uh, once it's loose, it's very hard to recover. It's not like picking up a plastic bottle on the beach, which is why a lot of times it's ignored. And I think that that's, as, as you said, my own personal mission was that if I wasn't going to do it, nobody would. So, um, but but actually, it goes back a little bit further. I, I wrote a letter to the superintendent, and I asked him about the styrofoam trays, and he said it was just too expensive. There was nothing that they could do about it. Um, but I joined. You mean with, to replace them with to something re else? To replace them with yeah. something else, and um, some young people uh, that were trying to protect their libraries. We dug out a bunch of these styrofoam trays, and we went to county board meetings, and they held up these little styrofoam signs that said, "You know, save our libraries, get rid of these trays." which, of course, is the simplest, most parochial solution you could ever think of. But um, it did move the board, and they got rid of the styrofoam trays. And I yeah. thought, okay, great, I've accomplished something. But I was quite wrong about that. Mm -hmm. um, it was much more complicated. And in doing that move of uh, removing the styrofoam trays, we increased the amount of money that the cafeteria spent on um, the the packaging that they serve the kids on. And then we also increase the weight of their trash. 
and because we didn't have a composting system in place, um, we were just burning them. So, so are they still doing this now, or, or did yeah. they get mad and quit? No, Arlington, no, 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 they didn't get mad. They feel really good about the accomplishment, but, um, but they don't feel good enough to go ahead and start composting, which is something that we really need to do around the country, but very much so in Arlington. Yeah, let me read a couple statistics, because I saw them. I watched your movie, your oh, documentary. Great. Thank you. And, and it said that U.S. Consumers buy 25 billion beverages with styrofoam cups. That's a that's a staggering number. You also mentioned 30 percent of landfill waste is styrofoam. Yeah, and and you know what? I I get a lot of guff from um, waste managers about that because they say no, that's that's not true. It, it it's not that much. But we're not talking about by weight. We're talking about by volume. Mm-hmm. So how much space it takes up. Uh, that's really the the challenge. I mean, we only have a certain amount of surface space on the planet, and it's remarkable how many holes we're digging and filling with trash. And the alternative for many people who don't have a way to process or dispose of things, um, they burn it. And in Arlington, we do have a waste-to-energy combustion plant, but um, burning plastics is definitely not uh, a positive thing to do for air quality or the environment. So it's not resource management. It's just elimination. So you started to get involved in media. Uh, you were working with uh, Leonard. You were on the Green and Sexy program for a while. Yes. You do the Arlington News. Yes. Uh, and your Sustainable Scoop is your segment. When did that all start? And, and did you just see that as a great vehicle to get at your message? Well, I, I was invited. Um, I, I ran for office and and I'd lost. And and I thought, you so know. So it was the school board, right? Yeah, I ran for school board. And um, that provided a wonderful opportunity and a platform to talk about a lot of these issues. And I think we made some really good progress. Uh, one of the things they did was they started a um, school sustainability committee, which was one of my platform items. I was excited about that. I was one of the first members appointed. But nothing happened. These committees and these commissions, they move so slowly. And the, I guess, political correctness necessary to hear everyone's voice, whether they're trying to stifle growth or um, initiate change, it just, it all gets lost in the mix. And when the meeting's over, an hour and a half later, nothing's accomplished. An entire year went by like that. And... um, and I definitely wasn't going to run for office again. That was really tough. And somebody here at the station invited me to come on a show. And um, while I was speaking, uh, one of the people in the crew said, you know, you're you're really good on camera. You, you've got a... Um, a good story to tell. You should you should come to the Arlington Weekly News and consider doing a segment. And at the time, Don Hammond was still alive. God rest his soul. He was a wonderful man. Um, and, and he, you know, guided me to uh, an opportunity where I could have seven minutes to sit down and talk with people about various issues relevant to sustainability. And it provided me this wonderful platform of being able to give to organizations and to people who, like your show, have a great story to tell and need an opportunity to tell it. And so that's where the Sustainable Scoop um, kind of evolved over time. Every so often, though, I would get somebody on the show and I'd get 
get to ask him that faded styrofoam question. Mm-hmm. And um, and I never thought much about doing anything with that other than posting the shows and moving on to the next guest. And then a couple, so so oh, when is Arlington Weekly News on? Which day? So it, well, we we film here in the studios on Wednesday nights, and then it airs on Thursday at six o'clock, and then Saturdays at ten thirty, and then Mondays at eight thirty. And so, it's one hour. Um, it's one hour long. And you got a chunk in there in the beginning, in the middle, the end? Tail end. Tail end. So at the okay. tail end, um, and sometimes in the middle, it's hard to tell. Um, but but I, I, I do have to send a plug for the, the program. Such dedicated people reporting on really important Arlington news every single week. So I think they provide a great service. What was wonderful was that we were able to take the shows, extract them, and then put them on the internet. Um, we also get to put them on the radio. Yep. So we provide lots of different opportunities for people. People to see. So if you want to take a quick break, I can do a station ID. You can wet sure. your whistle with some okay. water here. Thank you. You're listening to the Grayson 30 radio program on WERALP Arlington 96.7 FM. And we're talking to Miriam Gennari, a.k.a. Styrofoam Mom, about the huge problem of styrofoam waste and what folks like us can do about it. So I watched the documentary. It was really cool. There Tell some, me what you think. That was great. And there were some people on there, like the young guy, Jerry Acterman, I think his name is. Yeah. I, I, he speaks like he's a 40-year-old politician. He's really smooth. And you interviewed the people from Pro Fish Industries. Why don't you give us some examples of, you know, how, how do we help out? I listen to a program like this on the radio, and it's like, well, what can I do? And there's also the problem of people that are apathetic. I have a couple of relatives I won't name who have recycling capabilities and they just they just cavalierly throw recycling, you know, plastics and glass and stuff in the trash and and walk them out and you know, you don't want to get in a battle with your family and not talk to each other for 3 years. But what do you do? Give us examples of people that encourage our listeners to start doing something and help us to know how we deal with apathy. Well, I can tell you that um, apathy, nobody is uh, inoculated to apathy. It happens. I mean, I thought when I finished the documentary, I could release it to the world and it would be so simple. Everyone would get the message. The challenge is that there's so many things bombarding people all the time. And so they're not really sure. And and actually, they're not really sure who to trust. Um, I think one of the best things that I was able to do with the documentary was try to go down the middle of the road and not polarize the conversation but really look at both sides of the equation. And I think that needs to happen Yeah, I noticed that you, you showed some interviews with some people that were representatives from the industry. Absolutely. as well and there was no commentary on right or wrong it was just they were part of the clips and I think that's important because I think people are really polarized right now and I know that's kind of a you know a thing to say that you know maybe it's a, a political thing or maybe it's a religious thing that divide us but you know what we need to do to solve complex problems is to collaborate yep. and communicate and when you don't want to talk to one another the environmentalists are on one side and industries on the other you're not going to get to the solutions and so styrofoam mom is not just a story about styrofoam it's about all kinds of materials that are out there that need to be turned into a resource rather than waste. And they are resources. Composting is resources. Um, Plastics are resources. We have a robust um, recycling of aluminum and cardboard. But, you know, when you do just toss things away carelessly, it's like throwing money away. And, And so 
how do you get that message to people? I think the best messengers, and I think the movie shows this, are young people. Yeah. Ten years of my life um, going down this road, chasing this styrofoam story, and little Jerry Ochterman, in eight months, mm -hmm. Fairfax County had gotten rid of those styrofoam trays. And, and these two young ladies from Baltimore Beyond Plastic. Um, I'll tell you a story that didn't make it into the documentary, but we were sitting there, and I said to them... Um, you know, did you get a lot of support from these other groups? And, and what they said was, you know, yeah, the, these environmental groups were helpful in providing information, but when the time came to speak, they kept telling us to stand in the back and it wasn't time. And what we were asking for was too extreme. I said, well, what did you do? And uh, Claire goes, I just looked at Mercedes and said, we're not going to be juniors forever. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get this done. And, and that's the kind of optimistic attitude and this, you know, I think I think one of the fears that people have is that they need a ton of information to make a decision. And so much of resource management is really logic and stewardship. And so, you know, if you are a faithful person, I think those groups are the first groups that should step up because, you know, our, our planet is a gift and it's supposed to provide for everyone. And if we're not carefully um, appreciating and valuing the resources that some people, you know, can't take for granted, then we're not following our faith. Yeah, tell us about, are there local businesses that you would encourage people to go to because of how they treat things or, or businesses you encourage people to avoid? Well, I, I'm going to just say, uh, you know, Chick-fil-A, Dunkin' Donuts, um, you know, many times on and off McDonald's. There's a lot of companies that have been using styrofoam for many, many years, and they'll claim that they're going to phase it out or move it out of the system. Frankly, if you um, drink a soda out of a styrofoam cup, I really don't have a problem with it. I, I don't think there's any health concerns. The problem is there's no place for it to go. So it's up to our county government to say to these businesses, only use products that fit within our recycling system. And if the county wants to allow them to use styrofoam, then the county should provide an outlet for recycling of styrofoam. Um, our country uh, has taken the... Um, I would say the I don't want to I don't want to be insulting, but maybe the the easy route to recycling by single streaming everything, mixing it all together, and kind of assuming that it's going to be recycled, it's going to go somewhere. And what we've done is we've caused a massive mess in in countries like China, Malaysia. Yeah, we package it up and we we ship it overseas. Yeah, and 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 we think it's going to be recycled, and maybe thirty percent of it is, and then the rest of it ends up in people's villages being burned. Um, providing toxic fumes and a resin that ends up in their water streams. And um, I, I'm really actually very happy about the fact that China is no longer taking our waste that way because it forces us to do something in this country to create regional markets. And it's going to be painful for a little while, but there's so much opportunity in that green economy. And if we start to look at that waste as a resource, um, we can create hundreds, hundreds of thousands of jobs. It's interesting. I was thinking about you coming on the program and I, I had a dinner on the way home from the beach. I was down there for a handful of days. And my daughter and her friend got a cup of coffee to go, and it was in styrofoam. So we get back home, and they're, they're sipping on it, and then it's sitting on the counter, young people. 
and I, I finally rinse them out, and I'm, I'm thinking about you. I'm like, what do I do with this? Like, yeah. I, you know, sometimes I just throw it away. Sometimes I put it in with the recycling. I'm ashamed to admit. That's called that's called um, uh, wishful recycling, and we all do it. In fact, we all encounter styrofoam in our day to day lives. Even in D.C., in Maryland, places where it's banned, the bulk of the styrofoam is packaging. So, um, eighty percent of the styrofoam that's out there in the world is what's used to get your refrigerator um, delivered to you safely. And or that's you, a mess. When you it, open up the box, there is so much styrofoam. It, it could fill, yeah, it fills your entire trash can. Um, but but the thing that concerns me about the coffee is that, you know, the, the chemical reaction that happens when you put hot things in styrofoam, it leaches. And so a little bit of that chemical is getting into the individual. And now if you do it occasionally, I mean, I guess everyone says we're all exposed to something. But if you're the type of person that goes into work every day and pours your coffee into a styrofoam cup, I believe that that's going to have an effect. And if you're a young person, um, a little kid who maybe gets served uh, chocolate milk in a styrofoam cup and decides to make hot chocolate, well, now you've got a real problem. So I I think that proper use was one of the things that I really wanted to try to address in in the movie. So I want to jump out ahead because I want to make sure you know, what are your big points? When you talk to people and you say, no matter what, I'm going to share the following one or two or three things, you know, in 60 or 90 second snippets, what are the key things after all this work you've done in this with this issue? You've learned a ton. What kind of wisdom can you impart to us? How can you challenge us? What should we do? Well, if it's served on styrofoam, be it coffee or tea or new TV, if it's not recycled, it's not for me. I choose to eliminate single-use styrofoam from my lifestyle. So how do you do that? You buy a refrigerator. Well, no, no. I think I think what you do is um, you you go back to your county government and you say, look, as far as food packaging is concerned, if you don't have a recycling system, then you should not be able to to use it. We want to get to zero waste. So advocacy is a big part. And I know this is really hard for people sometimes to remember, but when you go into a restaurant, if you're going to order food and you think you might have leftovers, just ask what kind of packaging do you use? Um, And if food is served to you in styrofoam, I've refused it. Mm-hmm. And and so it's, and, and you you made it a point to tell them that's why you that's said. right oh absolutely and and you know you don't have to be militant but that's again why I love young people because they're very honest and frank about things and they don't have this again political correctness or the obnoxious edge to they them and they don't want to it's they're not trying to hurt anybody's feelings they're just trying to give you information my hashtag that I I hope that people will learn to adopt is hold the foam. And that can be handled in a million different ways. Coffee shop, I'll, I'll take my coffee, hold the foam, mm-hmm. right? And and as far as the packaging, you get from Samsung or Panasonic or any of the million other GE organizations and companies that, that ship things to you, you send them a little note and say, you know what, I need a place to drop this styrofoam off. What kind of support are you offering? Um, so people need to get involved. They I absolutely mean, it's not just do. a matter of, oh, they don't serve something and I'm going to stop going there. You have to tell them why. And I'm they not change. Go. They yeah. do, Ed. They really are happy to do it. I was just at the Folklife Festival, and um, this was fantastic. The Smithsonian required all the vendors to make sure when they came that they used compostable materials because they had a composting system. So I think, um, conversely, I was in an event 
for Arlington County, and it was at a waste and recycling event, and the vendors were serving things on things that couldn't be recycled. And I said to the the head of waste management, I'm like, why didn't you just tell them about that? He said, well, it's up to the consumers. And I think that the finger pointing needs to stop, and everybody needs to take just a little accountability. And I think that goes a long way. So the individual citizens can, can make their point by just refusing it or sending a note and saying, look, I don't want this. It doesn't take that many calls or letters to see change happen. And for somebody- Or, or Yelp reviews. Or Yelp reviews. Yep. Yeah. yeah. I just met a, a company um, that's working on a green Yelp. Uh, and I and I really uh, hope cool that they're idea. successful at that. I, I have to ask you: um, Have you been encouraging your daughters, your kids? I mean, how many kids do you have? I have three daughters. Okay. Are you, do you encourage them to um, sort of find their higher purpose now, earlier in life than later? Is this something? Because clearly, this is something that's really affects you, your heart. It moves you. You're really concerned about the environment and the impact of this waste. Are you encouraging them to, to, to examine themselves and try to find something that really lights them up? Well, it started with my children, but I think that that's, that's where um, I kind of grew beyond just my family. I think that, you know, to hear my daughter say, I don't have a car because it emits uh, carbon and, um, you know, this is my personal choice. Of course, I'm pride proud to hear her say that, or when my children take their containers to a restaurant as opposed to um, using the containers that they offer, not even if it's just a paper container. They just want to, you know, uh, use things that they can use over and over again. I'm, I'm excited about that. But um, there's an organization called the Global CoLab, and what they're doing is they're inspiring teens through the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals to get involved and try to help on issues of climate change, water, um, sustainable development, and um, and of course plastic pollution. And as a leader in the industry, and 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 I and being knowledgeable and knowing people, I don't lead that charge. I mentor them to go out and um, and make those changes and write those policies. And right now they've got a meeting coming up um, in the area called National Landing mm -hmm. to talk about a green box program, a reusable box program so that all the restaurants could get on board and people could bring their box in and exchange it for another box. That's I mean, cool. and they're so excited about it. So all I had to do was provide a few introductions. And as you saw in the movie, they really are the best spokespeople. So I think for people who want to get involved a little bit further, they have knowledge and resources, and they may not have all of the energy, but when you sit down with a group of these young, passionate individuals, um, and you say, is there a volunteer? All of their hands go ah, up, see, It's Ed. great when they're young. They're so they think they can conquer the world, which is great. And they can, and they so, can. So anything else? Another 30 or so seconds. you have anything just got to share? Well, um, I just think that, uh, you know, if from, from a faith perspective, uh, you know, Jesus had 12 disciples, right? And he changed the world and his message reverberated. You do not have to reach everyone. You do not need a thousand likes um, for every post that you put up. All you need is that one person to take the message, um, internalize it, and then take action. And that's really success. So whatever the passion is, whether it's plastic pollution or human rights, um, it really is important that you share that message and then you find vehicles like your show 
to um, amplify it. Outstanding. Thank you for joining us. And if listeners want to find out more about Miriam, go to her website. It's styrofoammom.com. And also check out Sustainable Scoop on the Arlington Weekly News. When is your movie going to be coming out? Well, so the D.C. Environmental Film Festival is going to put it up on their watch now for August. So you can see it for the month of August. And right now I'm scheduling screenings in libraries around the country. This is Ed and Miriam signing off from Grayson 30 on WERALP Arlington 96.7 FM. Have a great night. And Thank be you. sure to tune into Grace.